to episode six of the Illustration Insights podcast and the first of three parts to be taken from our first ever Illustration Block Party event which we ran in Manchester in the UK on the 6th of October 2018. In a different format to previous episodes in this series where we've spoken to the likes of Ben the Illustrator, Emmeline Pigeon, Tash Wilcox and of course James Gilliard on the phone, the illustration block party was our chance to start creating something we've been dreaming about for quite some time. As you may know, Crazy Animal Face is a place where you can come to fuel your creative passion and that mostly includes people who don't work in the creative industry. Since day one of CAF, we've wanted to create a place that has absolutely no pretense, promoted positivity and allowed people with the same creative mindset to bounce off each other regardless if they worked in the industry or not. And the illustration block party was exactly that. If you've missed previous episodes in this series, we encourage you to go back and check them out, all recorded with either Ollie or myself chatting with our interviewee on the phone. And in the next three episodes, you will hear a live record with everyone in the same room in front of 30 people, which was great. And most excitingly, if you like what you hear, there will be more block parties coming up in 2019. So if you sign up to our mailing list, which will be at crazyanimalface.co.uk forward slash illustration block party. We'll put the link in the description to this podcast and if you do sign up you'll be the first to know about everything we're doing including the illustration block party events. So to part one of the illustration block party podcast. In this episode you'll hear from Dan Woodger and there's a few facts about Dan if you don't know who he is. Dan is based in London after graduating from the University of Brighton. He's represented by a range of agents. One, namely, is Jelly London. He's got a bold visual style which is packed with 80s references and clear character types. His work has been used by GQ, Pepsi and Samsung, which he does have a pretty hilarious anecdote about and Dan will talk about that in this episode. Dan is genuinely one of the nicest people I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. He supported us and we've supported him since day one and every time we speak he always has a new golden nugget of information to share. Because Dan isn't from an upbringing that steered him towards illustration I find it incredibly inspiring to hear him talk about chasing his passion and what he's achieved and continues to achieve is fantastic. 
You can follow Dan at various points online. We'll post the links in all of the descriptions for the podcast. And as always, please do get involved on Twitter and Instagram. Get involved with the conversation. Let us know what you think. We'll be publishing the episode notes to the show and we'll be emailing them to the email list as well. And we'll also put the links to all of that other content in the description for this podcast. And remember, if you like what you hear, please do subscribe. Use your podcast app and we can know a little bit more about what you want to hear about. Most importantly, we hope you gain something new from our conversation and we'll look forward to catching up next time for parts two and three. Thanks. Illustration. Flat party. Hello, Dan. Hello, Paul. I just wanted to see if you're going to lean into the mic. Oh, so you you baiting me there. Yeah, you? I was baiting you, yeah, <laughs> like with the woodcher thing. Yeah. Um, for anyone that doesn't know you, which obviously might be a few people, can you give someone a description, specifically in the room, one sentence, and it has to be one sentence only? I draw characters. <laughs> Which are very bold. <laughs> Just a quote. You have a bold, vibrant style. Is that from my website? Yes, yeah. that's from your website. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I, I try and keep it quick. So put me to one sentence. But yeah, I draw. Um, I draw characters mainly. Like a freelance illustrator, drawing specialising in characters. Um, it depends like sometimes it can be just single characters for sort of um editorial pieces or sometimes it can be large crowds more like sort of uh where's wally style character scenes um and it ranges across different mediums platforms so uh, editorial advertising um uh digital um and and now starting to move more into animation as well yeah which is a pretty big chunk because i know obviously you've got a pretty you know pretty strong focus on animation just talking about the animation slant at the back i know that's something you really enjoy yeah, yeah, that's so. I've um, I, I did, I've always enjoyed animation, and I did a lot of animation at university, and I like, played around with things like stop motion, and um, and I, I felt like I had a good grasp of it. But then, my my degree was illustration. I, I studied at the University of Brighton, and when I graduated, all I wanted to do was become a, a practicing illustrator and be able to sort of live off of that. Um, so for the first sort of four years out of university, that's all pretty much all I did was just illustration. And then around middle of middle towards the middle to end of 2016, I just realised that um, I wanted to reassess my work and have a look. And I realised that there was lots of um, there was kind of a there was a way that I could take my work to be animated. I just I, I wanted to do more animation work, but I think when you looked at my portfolio, all you saw was illustrations. So I felt like I almost had to force the art director's hands a little bit and. I taught myself, started to teach myself how to animate and just putting things up on uh, social channels and just trying to show my work moving. And then the more I did that, the more I could kind of get those um, people's attention. And then slowly I've been starting to get um, animation work based off of sort of putting in my own groundwork on it. But yeah, I'm very much self-taught and I do it in a bit of a backwards way. I do it in Photoshop um, and it's, yeah my files are a bit of a mess but it works for me so <laughs> <laughs> is anyone similar has anyone worked with from an illustration background trying to cross over to animation yes it was like a pained yeah, <laughs> yeah. emma's doing it yeah Emma's living the dream so what's the from from your perspective from your perspective what's the what's the main hurdle that you're facing in regards to trying to get that is it the knowledge that you're trying to gain or do you know where you're going with it in terms of animation it's like what programs to use, how to actually go about it, because I, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Like, like draw a spider, like, put something like letters, 
Mm-hmm. I know what I want to do. That's like my biggest problem. <laughs> so I'm just trying to survive. Yeah, that that's yeah. a little bit where I think I I was a bit daunted to start with as well, and um, I kept almost like I put that uh, thing on Twitter saying, "Oh, what I'm looking to do more animation. What should I be lo- using?" And the replies were so varied. Flash, like After Effects, like f- just do it in Photoshop and. Uh, honestly, it wasn't any. I wasn't any clearer after putting that tweet out than I was when I got the replies. So I just um, I knew a little bit about using the timeline in Photoshop, and essentially I draw, I do most of my work in Photoshop anyway. I know the program pretty well, and I knew I basically just started playing around with little things like facial movements, and then playing that on a loop, and that oh, that works. And then as I learned more, I just started to get a bit more ambitious and adding mo- like kind of legs and arms and making more things move and. Um, then I learned once I started to take on more ambitious animations, I realized the limits of Photoshop and the layers and the file sizes. So then I basically worked out how I could do it at a low res and just kept tinkering and basically yeah, trying to sort of learn as I do, just diving in rather than sort of spending ages researching. I just, I thought it was more beneficial just to try it out and just actually put pen to paper or do it and see what happened rather than doing loads of research. Yeah, try and keep it fairly varied and... Do you ever look for it, like in, in terms of an inspiration focus? Did that ever kind of kick things on? Did you? Um, so I, I suppose I, I think I know. I knew what I wanted my characters to look like animated, and that was that was through um, again one of the reasons I enjoy using Photoshop for animating is I uh, I like very traditional cartoons and 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 like those. I liked playing around with uh, practicing smear frames like in the Looney Tunes cartoons and I would actually just look this I think there's a tumbler that has like different smear frames from the Looney Tunes cartoons where it just screen grabs the specific frame and just seeing how weird those specific drawings are those in-between drawings are and um, after like kind of looking at a few of those like, okay they're doing that with the eye and like that with the sort of they're elongating the face and just basically practicing it trying it in my own work and seeing um, and that that's where my most of my inspiration for this comes from is I know there's um, this ways of doing sort of. I know that um, motion design is very popular and, and using mm. After Effects, but I think with my characters it suited because they're line based. I thought that it would suit more traditional, almost like a cell type of animation. So that's what I've been teaching myself. And also, I feel like I'm learning. I'm learning more about the animation process through doing that, through actually having to draw individual frames and kind of understanding more about how my characters should move. I think. Yeah, I was going to say because I think in terms of. Now it's a bit of an insight because I don't know Dan's got a wicked story about this, but in terms of pushing that towards clients, mm-hmm. when does that become a conversation? Do they see now that you're doing, I guess obviously mm-hmm. you've been doing it long enough that they might see that and go, can I have some of that please Dan, it looks great. Yeah, like, a- I think like anything through most of my like illustration career so far has been saying yes and then working it out <laughs> later so uh, <laughs> I, don't I think t- anyone does that no and then the last year I did a project for Samsung and they wanted a two-minute animation and so I said yeah I can do that <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they wanted it in three and a half weeks which I said yeah, I can do that. Um, and I learned that that was insane, but um, managed to somehow pull it off. Like, essentially, just worked with the parameters of like having that three weeks of working out when I was storyboarding it and working out the the timelines of things. And they they were really good. The, the project was amazing because they they essentially gave me free reign. They said, uh, "We want you to come up with the concept." So um, a bit of background about the project: it was for Samsung Taiwan, and um, it was kind of like a multifaceted campaign to do. Um, to do with the Samsung Galaxy Note 8 phone and so they wanted to bring um, they wanted to fly me out to Taipei to 
basically uh, document me using the phone which comes with a little pen and then drawing over the photographs whilst I was in Taipei um, culminating in kind of like a few days of like filming me doing that with a um, with a, a kind of opening of my two minute animation at an animation festival called Nuit Blanc um, in <laughs> Taipei so it's a pretty insane project and before I, so I had to do a two minute animation based on Taipei a place I'd never been to before and they just sent me oh well it looks a bit like this and these are some of the markets so <laughs> use those as reference so it was meant to be about me like enjoying the city and stuff but I had to do it before I went so um, that was interesting but it was really good because they gave me such an open brief I could do whatever I wanted essentially and um, mm. I put this idea forward that I was pretty happy with um, and sent it over to the client and they came back and they were really happy with it as well and bumped it up from being just an animation that was playing at the festival to being the opener of the festival and it was the most insane thing I've, I've ever done um, so the animation opened Nui Blanc the mayor of Taipei came out said a few words in, in, in uh, I think it's either Mandarin or Cantonese I'm not sure which language but I couldn't understand it apart from my name <laughs> and then played the animation and the Taipei City Orchestra which I didn't know until I was there played a live soundtrack to it it's like a horrible dream oh it was mad was, wasn't and it was projected yeah. it was projected onto a building um, the, the uh, University of Taipei Library building and Honestly, because it was such a quick turnaround, I'd, I'd gone from a month ago not even knowing about the project to then sitting there, and then they introduced me afterwards, and I had to come on and, and do a like two-minute speech about the project <laughs> with a translator. It was the, and looking out, and there was about five, five, six thousand people at this play, at the festival. So, yeah, really bizarre. Um, yeah. Does everyone have any sort of social anxiety behind us now? <laughs> yeah, I just wondered if the mayor pronounced your surname. Right? He did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. He did. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> he didn't bait him. <laughs> Yeah, that was yeah the only bit I could understand in the. I had some uh, like people helping me who essentially talk amongst each other and then explain to me in, in broken English what I had to do and they would talk amongst each other and say, okay, you've got to stand over there now, okay, um, and you do you do a speech. I was like, okay, <laughs> hello, I'm Dan. <laughs> Thanks for watching my film. It was really bizarre, but yeah, it's one of those where, um, in terms of the actual dynamics of the project and how it, it yeah. how I actually kind of um, expanded out from just doing these sort of looping gifts to then expanding into a two-minute animation um, the the biggest hurdle out of all of that was essentially I had to send because it was being projected onto a building it had to be projection mapped which meant I, I don't really understand the process but essentially had to be broken down into five different projectors so so, so just to recap this so you've gone from an illustration yeah then to an animation then it's going to project like projected against the building yeah but only projected projection mapped yeah i don't understand don't, right yeah right. i don't so i had to send over my files to a team that only spoke i only understood chinese so i had to break i had to basically send them my psd file with all the layers so perfectly laid out that you could, you didn't even know, need to know English to understand them. And then <laughs> I had to basically create the, I had to animate it and then like create like a, a GIF for them to show them how it was supposed to move once they broke it down and then put it through whatever system they did. But somehow it worked. They did it it's and amazing. they looked great and it was. I was really really happy with it. And yeah, it was one of those kind of mad projects, but that turned out to be really successful. Mm. And I'm yeah, still really happy. Don't really know how I pulled it off, but yeah, it's amazing. It was good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have. Um, so I have the actual animation itself um, on on my Instagram page. Um, 
the projection map one, I'm still waiting for them to send me the video. There was, okay. Yeah, there so was, you had to turn it around in a, what? In how many weeks? Uh, three weeks. And yeah, I was still doing it on the plane yeah. over and stuff. Yeah, it was mental. Um, and I remember being so, so, so tired from pulling really late nights trying to get this done. And then I got there. I was super jet lagged. They came over and they were so excited. They said, "Okay, we're going to do um, we're going to do all these things." And they had this sheet of things they were going to do with me that week. And so, so okay, we've got a press conference tomorrow, and then we're going to go take you up to Elephant Mountain, and then we're going to go to the night market. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And then I thought the press <laughs> conference would be me just sat a bit like this with a, maybe a, a room like this. Yeah. But it turned out to be uh, there was five film cameras there, <laughs> photographers. It was essentially like the equivalent, Taiwanese equivalent of like BBC News, ITV News, <laughs> there's a video somewhere floating around. If you Google my name in Ta Dan Wood of Taiwan, there's a terrible, terrible video of me basically explaining the project, so tired, like trying to explain <laughs> the project. And then, um, and then saying some really terrible stuff about like, trying to outline the project, repeating myself, being so overwhelmed with what was going on and so hot because they had these bright, bright lights oh, shining on me. I then had to, they gave me the phone and I then had to stand in front of some other phones and hold it up and smile into camera whilst five Taiwanese ladies stood around me all holding phones as well. <laughs> so weird, but yeah. It's just, it's, uh, the thing I love about that, what's the takeaway from that then, Dan, for you? What, what, did, you, what did you learn just from say, this process? Just say yes. Great. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the end yeah. result. And always label your files, not untitled one, two, three, four, yeah. five. Yeah, so yeah, that definitely helps. Yeah. That doesn't speak mm -hmm. any English can understand it. Has anyone else uh, worked internationally or worked with Ollie? You have a question. Would you say you always get your best work done when you don't have the opportunity to procrastinate? Yeah, yeah. 100%. Um, I am trying to get some personal, well, personal projects. Like um, I'm working with a writer to try and get an idea for an animated show off the ground. And that is, um, because that is us, a labour of love, that is something that's not paying. Um, I have to set myself deadlines, because otherwise it just sits at the back of my, kind of on a note in a sketchbook that I need to do it. So we had a meeting, a uh, phone call yesterday, just to, um, we penciled in to like send over first sketches of the 17th. I have to give myself a deadline, otherwise um, things just slip by. So it has to be, I have to put pressure on myself, otherwise these things just sit in the background, annoyingly. Um, so yeah, that's the best. The way I work best is when there's a bit of pressure added. It's a good point. Yeah, and I think as well in terms of that's probably quite a good point to go into in terms of discipline generally. Mm -hmm. um, how disciplined would everyone say that they are generally when it comes to self-generated work? This is probably quite a good question to ask the group. We. Discipline? Do we do a lot of self-generated work, or we're we on deadlines? I know you've got a mix of people working in agencies, freelance. I'm going to be really disciplined. You are going to be, <laughs> yes. but right now yes. we're slack. Well, yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll be. Manana, yeah. I think um, the thing that helped me because I I um, I got to a point in uh, the, the same point in 2016 when I started to decide I wanted to do animation. Um, when I graduate, all I wanted to do is be an illustrator, so I spent all of my time um, basically just trying to get client work. And I remember around about that time, I just looked up and realized that um, I was almost, I wasn't pushing myself anymore. I, I was realizing that I was quite comfortable when there was enough going on that I had work. But um, when I looked at my portfolio, I, I hadn't pushed myself any further. It was still doing the same sort of thing. And I was actually getting a little bit lazy because I was just sort of churning work out for clients, not doing personal work. Um, so I started, basically started trying to um, have a new outlook on things and which is around short-term goals so um, 
I get I, at the beginning of each year now I write out some I, I write out a ca- different categories of goals so I have some pretty achievable goals or things that I'd like to do that year so this year I wanted to do a magazine cover um, I wanted to do um, uh, more speaking events and so just put some things that I think I can, I can achieve in that year I then put a list of like um, clients that I would like to work with so maybe thinking about how I could cater my work for those clients and then further down that list are more ambitious goals so um, doing an animated series is something that I, like, I think is, is one in a thousand one in a million shot of getting that done but it's worth me putting on the list and then so then I've got my really achievable goals that I can kind of aim for mm. and then and then um, through that I've been able to focus a bit better um, so I have in my sketchbook I have a day-to-day goals and I have my list of like list of goals for 2018 up on the wall that just says okay these are the ones I want to do overall this year and so I just have little plotting plotting points to kind of go for rather than saying I want to be I want to animate like if the one goal on my list was to animate a tv show that's so hard to get to that it seems so distant so far away that if I don't make it which is unlikely Mm. um it just if I feel dejected if I can give myself more achievable goals then I feel like I'm achieving something and then it's like the first step forward and then I can go for another goal so that's more how I've aligned my thinking and it's been it's been so far paying off that's pretty disciplined to me that sounds like you've definitely got short to like say in terms of short-term focus and Mm-hmm. laying things out that definitely seems very achievable do you in terms of trying to readdress those goals do you regularly refresh them um, you... yes I mean I, I think the year end is like when I kind of because I have a bit more time around Christmas is the time of the year where like actually people stop emailing and mm. like there are people actually taking some time off so between sort of Christmas and New Year I, I like to just sit and have a coffee in a coffee shop somewhere and just just think about what I want to have a look back on the last year what ones did I do what which ones I didn't do the, the reason I like to kind of keep it more flexible like that is because the industry changes so quickly as well so maybe the goal I had last year um, actually there's something maybe like things have slightly changed or there's like a new bit of technology that's come out or like something different that actually maybe I don't want to do that or it's been overdone or something there's new worth me focusing my time on so it's good to have that kind of yearly address um, and then I think Mm, week on week is I don't know a little bit different because that's more me just trying to get stuff done and like get things out for the week and make sure that I have ticked off the important things and that's slightly different but yeah in terms of projects a, a year on year focus is pretty, works for me pretty well yeah I was going to say I think having that short term even quarterly focus mm-hmm. seems like it's been obviously pr- fairly prolific because I mean in terms of even just going back to what you were saying before about animation introducing that I mean that's a whole new skill set mm-hmm. to then put out there and commercially market there's I mean, giving a, yeah, there's giving a bit of time to that as well because I knew that mm. it wasn't going to be the first time I put an animation out. Right, here comes the work. It had to be. I had to keep at it and keep showing because I think it's um, we are in an industry that it, things do get forget forgotten quite quickly. Oh, that's a great project. Oh, there's another great project. Oh, there's another great project, and you, they, they do get kind of almost fall down the, the pecking order or like you, it is quickly to, easy to forget nice projects that have come out so it's just me kind of putting something out again on on instagram or something just to show that i was keeping at it and then if you're like oh if, if someone my thinking was that if someone did see it and they could go to my profile and see that actually there were a few other examples there mm. i'm starting to build up a catalog so i knew that it wasn't going to be the first one it's going to pay off straight away i knew that over time if i just kept at it that would that would help my my case i think and just get that pace going yes yeah yeah, yeah. illustration Block party in terms of protecting your work so mm-hmm. I just want to talk a little bit about this who currently is studying and who's graduated so can you show, show a hands who's studying at the moment that's a good chunk of people okay so in terms of protecting your work after so we go through well, we'll talk about 
the course that you did mm -hmm. and how important that was in a little bit. But after you graduated, then you go and start generating work. You're in that path of, well, from my perception of going to clients saying, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, like you say, like going back to the Samsung example, yeah, I can do it, no problem. And then you don't necessarily think about the, right, where am I protecting myself? Mm -hmm. Have you ever had any, um, any situations where people have stolen work or IP has been compromised? That sounds very um, No, no, I, I, just annoyingly, I don't really, I've, I've been really, really fortunate that so yeah. far it's not, it's not cropped up. I, I, it's, it's a strange one. I, I've been able to build like quite a, a, a okay career so far off of my portfolio, but I'm, I'm not somebody who has tons and tons of followers. I feel like I've almost done illustration in a, in, in a weird way, way round. I've seen a lot of illustrators gain tons of um, followers and, and, and become really well known. Um, first and then start getting client work off the back of that I feel like I've kind of slipped in slightly through the back door and just been um, doing my thing in, in, in that way like so I got mm. I got represented like quite early on and was just able to start doing client work quite early on and um, and I'm, I'm getting to that point now where I'm wanting to do more like focus more on what um, my work is about but I think the first of all when I came out I just wanted to work so I had a set style and I was just I was using that for clients rather than doing personal work so I've been I don't know, I've been very lucky. I think my style, or like I say, I'm not hugely followed, so maybe that's the reason why I haven't had so many people actually ripping me off or anything. But yeah, so far, mm. touch wood, it's been okay. Sorry, it's not a great example for, no. the, <laughs> for the question. That's good, that's refreshing. Has that happened to anyone here in the room? Has anyone had anything stolen? Benny, anything stolen? Not from your life, generally. But <laughs> yeah. I've been robbed across the street. Uh, uh, no, I, 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 I have, but I don't want to take up Dan's time. Oh. Okay. <laughs> this is good, right? Okay, noted. Question. Okay. Well, this is good because I know that that's a growing problem, mm -hmm. especially within social media generally, and uh, I know a lot of things turn up on T-shirts and all of that. And yeah, so, yeah, it's, sure it seems like a nightmare. I, I feel very fortunate that I haven't had to go through that yet. It is. Mm. It's 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 a real difficult one. I, mm. I honestly wouldn't. Uh, it's it's a good. I would like to know if anyone has a better answer than me on this because I honestly no, wouldn't no. know how to to. Um, to approach it I would, uh, because again I'm the same the, the same problem of not having a huge following would mean that I've seen big name illustrators be able to turn around and say shout out on Twitter and call them out and they get such a good response because they have that community around them I feel like in my position I, I wouldn't have that so yeah I, I don't know well now is. you do that yeah <laughs> now you do we're a community we'll back you up if anyone nicks anything off you'll go out there and break the windows <laughs> very much. Problem. I think um that that whole general journey so i think that's something that goes back to i guess obviously thinking right i'm gonna go through my i guess obviously you did an illustration course mm -hmm. yep brighton yes yeah so from that perspective so going through that journey that's intense enough you come out and then you start going like you say obviously you're lucky to pick up well i say you're lucky you made your own luck mm -hmm. and you got represented and that's great so that was the jump but in terms of that, was there a gap between graduating and then being represented that you were like, uh, I don't know what the fuck to do? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Definitely. It's it, it sucks. Um, like it's being like all of those metaphors are right. Being pushed off a cliff, or, like d d jumped into the deep end. It's it's awful. Right? Where you're so, under so much pressure to finish your final degree show, mm. and there is so much going on in your head, and then you do it, and then that that support that you've been used to for three years of having your friends around you at uni, having the tutors to ask questions for, having a place to live, having a place to go in and work, all falls away. And then you're like, you're just left out to go and fend, just fend for yourself basically, um, off a job that to people who aren't like with it, I don't know, it just sounds daft, doesn't it? I want to make a li living off of drawing. It, it, 
it is it is not exactly the easiest thing that you can pick. <laughs> so um, yeah, it, it was awful. I moved back home, um, had a tricky landing after uni. My, my my parents separated just as I got back home, so that was unusual. They were living under one roof whilst that was going on. Um, I. I I then essentially just buried myself away. So um, I, there was a spare room that's full of, I've got two brothers, it was full of uh, football boots, uh, golf clubs, drum kits, like all sorts <laughs> of stuff. It was just full of all of our junk over the years. And I essentially had to just ask, I've just cleared it out, cleared it out, gave that, uh, used that as my bedroom and then set that up as an office for myself. Um, and I uh, worked part-time um, still down in Brighton. Mm. So I drove down, I, I'm from Hampshire, so I drove about an hour and a half down to Brighton each each weekend to work in a shop that I was working in just to get about 70 quid to last me the like, basically the petrol money to Brighton and back. <laughs> and then um, a little bit on top of that for, I don't know, <laughs> giving up for a pint with mates or something. There wasn't much there, but I, I, I used that and, as like something to, I don't know, bring in a little bit of money. Yeah. And then the rest of the week I, was fortunate that my parents didn't charge me rent, but I then sat at that desk and just worked. Like all I did was work. I, I would sit there nine to five. I was pretty strict with myself. Um, I would try and find art directors, try and find creative studios, just follow them, uh, try and find out who they were. Um, and then the turning point came after about a month of me basically just posting up anything that I was doing on, on Instagram or Twitter, just posting up anything I was doing, drawings, just to try and keep some sort of momentum or feel like I was had a process and, and trying to keep my work fresh and out and, and get mm. it seen in front of people mm -hmm. but the, the turning point was when I came up with the idea of um, sending out a mailer so um, I um, want, uh, because I do like lots of character work I wanted to show off that I could do lots of characters in a scene so I designed a poster an A3 poster that had all of these characters in and on the back I wrote out a little bit about myself and that I had just graduated and I was looking for experience and work and um, I advertised this as free on my website and I printed it myself. I bought these plastic wallets off of Amazon that I folded it down to A5 and then put my business card in there and it looked quite professional even though I was doing it all DIY <laughs> and then the only thing that cost, the, basically actually the money I was earning from that shop was going on stamps because they're not cheap. <laughs> but um, yeah and then I was just, so I advertised it as free so if anyone wanted one they could get in touch and then also I was sending it out to, I was just writing on these envelopes to the art director at uh, the Guardian to the art director at the Times, mm. just just sending these things out, um, and slowly the requests were like the requests started off with being from like like-minded people like myself, like other students or other graduates, and then slowly over the next couple of weeks, I noticed one came in from Nike, another one came in from Wyden and Kennedy requesting a poster. Amazing. So although work wasn't quite yet coming in, it was making me feel that actually people were paying attention, were interested, and it kind of kept me going um, over that sort of. It was about a three-month period where I was trying to. I didn't really have any illustration work on, but things were starting to, I don't know, there was, I, I could feel that there was a buzz starting to generate, and then uh, that poster finally paid off when I got an internship at YCN um, in London, and at that time they, was, they were representing illustrators. Is anyone familiar with YCN? You know YCN? No, there's a lot of shaky heads. Check out YCN if you mm. get a chance. I guess obviously, well, Dan will be able to tell you more about it, but yeah, they've, yeah. they've, they've changed quite a bit since I was with them. But they, I think they're now Young Creative so, Network. Yeah, or, I think it, yeah. Um, but at that time, they were representing illustrators as a as an agent, mm -hmm. um, as, as alongside kind of trying to do the stuff that they're doing, like talks and and the student books and the student awards and things like that. Mm. But they're certainly worth checking out for anyone who is a student at the moment because um, they, they do do these quite good briefs for students to try and sort of yeah that's my perception yeah. they do kind of try and uh, what's the word it's kind of incubate 
a yeah, bit. exactly, and it is a good way of sort of just starting to yeah ease the the transition from a student to, to a practicing designer or illustrator or thing. Um, mm. But yeah, and then then once I got that 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 really, I had an internship there as an illustration intern. So that was a bit of all sorts. Like being a bit of I had to do post office runs and making cups of tea. And they have the narrowest staircase. It's like three <laughs> floors. So I'm like coming down with this tray of like it's like a weird test. Yeah, like the Devil Wears Prada. Not remember, that I've seen that movie. I try mean, to remember oh, everyone's cups it. of tea. Hot hot water with lemon like decaf yeah. like all these kind of different coffees that I had teas and coffees that I had to take down that staircase but uh, running down to answer the door they have a little shop downstairs and doing all that kind of stuff and then where basically just working my ass off and then just showing when I got a chance trying to take those little opportunities where I had my work in front of the um, the, the head agent there at the time mm. so just showing him what I could do and then I knew that by the end for the last week I wanted to sit down with him and have a chat about my portfolio and then fortunately my style of work fit into a gap that they didn't have so I was able to like after our little chat at the end he said oh we'd like to offer you to represent you and that's when the kind of big changes happened I started actually getting commercial work and things like that. That's cool I was going to say and, and I know deliberately we've gone screenless today like to try and keep it quite in the room using all these little buzzwords but essentially just want to try and keep it as concentrated on what we're saying <laughs> So is anyone familiar with Dan's work? Have you seen it without Googling it right now? Be honest. Yeah, Ben is. Yes, yes, yes. Cool. Okay. I definitely recommend you go and check it out, obviously. But I think what's interesting, I mean, going back to that, that journey around YCN and shaping, like I said, there's a style that fit a gap. Mm -hmm. um, how important is it to have a style then, do you think? Um, as an oh, it's tricky. So I know a few illustrators that do make a really good career out of being... Um, more flexible mm -hmm. um, I actually had somebody help me out last year called Adam Williams uh, and he um, his work is, is 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 he's so good but he does multi he, work, he works for multiple different like he works for um, Owen Gildersleeve like helping out with his oh, amazing work. wow okay but then he wow. also is a really talented illustrator as well so and he's helped out on uh, uh, Rob Rob Hunter's book Rob F Hunter oh, I think that's the the name is that, is that an, I don't know if that's right sorry I'm just, um, but uh, his, he worked out on his uh, works on his book, helping him. Mm -hmm. He was actually illustrating, so taking what Rob had, had drawn and then working it up into color. And mm -hmm. so he he has been able to make like a really good career, form really good connections. And he I asked him about this why he was sort of why he hadn't really cemented down a style because he he just these really cool puppets that he, he makes like three D puppets, a bit like um uh, like kind of Sesame Street and Don't Hug Me I'm Scared and stuff. Yeah, and he's really good yeah. at that um, but he said that he's just um, he hasn't quite found what he wants to do yet and, but he's been able to use his like high skill set to make a good career so far for himself especially as I think he's in this year, year and a half out of uni and yeah he's working with some really big names so I don't think it is the be all and end all but for me I wanted that's what I wanted that is what I wanted to be able to create a style that was mine um, I don't know if that's egotistical or like or no, what, no. That, that's kind of what I was aiming for. So, mm. um, but it took me a while to get there. Like mm -hmm. through, through university and college, I, I, I jumped back and forth between doing really, if you know my work, I was doing pencil drawings, like really detailed kind of pencil drawings, like photorealism for ages, which seems so different to what I actually do. <laughs> but I think it's through, GCSE art, it sucks. Like they're telling you to draw something <laughs> that exactly one like, yeah. Away. GCSE yeah, is they just, shit. Well, it, yeah. but they tell you to, they grade you on how well you copy something. Yeah, so, yeah. And like you, you have to prove, you only get, you get a better grade the better you draw something, which is, it's no creativity whatsoever, ever. It's just being able to replicate something. So, yeah, yeah that's where I kind of got in this weird mindfuck of like, what do I actually do? Mm. Um, I, so whilst I was at uni, I was doing these pencil drawings, working, like, I've, 
my, my fingers to the bone, like like pressing really hard with different stuff, like um, weight pencils, mm. and drawing these things already look like something that they already look like a photograph. Which my tutor made a really good point in second year at uni, saying, "Why do you?" Um, Why'd you do that? Like, that's, <laughs> that's the greatest. That's not really. Why the fuck did you? And do it's, that? it's a it's a fantastic skill. Like, don't really yeah, don't yeah. get me wrong. Like, it's some it blows my mind somehow how incredible that that's people who do it really well. It's mm. incredible. But um, my tutor was right. Like, it wasn't saying anything different. It wasn't. It wasn't. It, it didn't have a voice. It wasn't. I, I like putting humor and stuff in my work, and uh, it wasn't doing any of that. And he he found these cartoon like these like characters that I was drawing in the back of my sketchbook, and he said they're far more interesting why didn't you focus on that? And I just thought you couldn't. I don't know, I just didn't think, I was like, oh, you really? You actually like these? I said, yeah, yeah, do, do more of that. And that's that's how I then started doing more of my character-based stuff and, and really focusing on that. But I mean, from second year till about, I reckon it was like a good half a year, year before I really, <coughs> after graduating, mm -hmm. and I was actually taking on client work, but was still finding my feet that first year out. And the style has changed and evolved over time as well. It's kind of constantly moving and shifting. But I think there is like a, there is a set look there, but it just gradually changes over time with like different, I don't know, um, when I want to try out like a slightly different color or, or try out a new thing, I can like gently ease into my work. So it's this kind of moving, moving beast. It just kind of changes from year to year. It does, but I think my take on it is also the, the narrative in it. Mm -hmm. So you've also got like a lot of 80s influence in mm -hmm. there. Uh, there's a lot of stories, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Because mm -hmm. yeah, that's the one thing, to reference Going back to your website, Dan, mm -hmm. referencing that uh, Dan's clients include Google, Pepsi, GQ, New York Times, and you have a specialism in emoji and icon design. Yeah, I need to say that off my website now. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was for that was weird. That was a weird, weird <laughs> moment. Uh, that's sort of where that Samsung project came from. Um, mm. So I, um, in 2014, I got contacted by line who um if you're not familiar they're a social media app mm -hmm. um they're based they're massive in asia it's um it's essentially like whatsapp google um facebook twitter Insta, all rolled into one um, it has like a banking division of it now it's, it's enormous like you know how on any like taxi or anything or whatever shop it says fo follow us on facebook that that's the equivalent in in all over um japan and taiwan uh, korea it has these kind of follow us on online um and they, I had never heard of them when they got in touch. They actually mm. linked an article to a New York Times article that they'd done about the company because I think they knew that Westerners wouldn't be so familiar with them. They yeah, yeah, yeah. They had the recognition over over here. So um, I remember getting the email quite late at night and just I'll reply to that in the morning and then woke up the next day and did a bit of research. And basically they were asking me to design a thousand emojis. And for me at the time, like I, uh, I was about, so what's that, th two and a half, three years out of uni and I was still very much hand to mouth so mm -hmm. I, I was I was taking every project would go into the bank account and then it more or less go straight out on rent like I'd, I'd, because of the family situation I moved out of my house at pretty like family house like pretty quickly after uni mm -hmm. and I was a little bit not quite ready for it so it was very much like every client job went to paying for the rent or bills and you're in London now right in London yeah. now okay. yeah um, which is a stupid decision if you're trying to save money, <laughs> so, yeah. um, but yeah and and then this project came in it was the first project that um that being crass but like it would pay well enough like the most money i'd ever seen for a job so i was like i was just, yes i'll do it yeah i'll do it a thousand emojis that's fine how long do you need how, how long do you need like what's the deadline they said oh 10 weeks i said yeah fine before i'd even looked at what that meant and that was <laughs> a thousand emojis i can't even think like of a thousand when emojis. you say it's horrible when you say 10 weeks you think oh yeah that's plenty of time 10 weeks is like the like what just 
two and a half months that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought that's loads of time. But when you're doing a thousand, that worked out a hundred designs a week, <laughs> which is just insane. <laughs> So um, just I, between that and the Samsung thing, just makes you think you want this horrible like K hole of like <laughs> of like yeah. just a thousand emojis. Oh um, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Now uh, much I, I've gotten better at managing my time. This was the learning curve. This job that was learning how mm. to manage time better. But um, mm. so I agreed to it, and um, I was yeah. So I, was, I had a little corner desk in my in my little one bed flat that I was sharing with my girlfriend and basically I sat there like a plant my girlfriend came home from work and fought, wet, like watered me and, me and then I just carried on working um, I saw the seasons change from winter to spring outside my window I did not move I put on a stone in weight because I didn't move it's terrible like, I just all I did was work I was working from seven in the morning till midnight just turning these emojis around mm. and um Oh, it was weird. I went into a really weird headspace during that. Um, but the, the project, like, I did it on time, mm. the project, and then the project went really well. Um, but because I, 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 they were commissioning 10 other artists, and I was only, I was a stu- the, only, the only one stupid enough to agree to the 10-week deadline, so I finished first. <laughs> so uh, when I'd had, but that sort of weirdly paid off, because, because I'd done it first, um, mm. I was able to... They, they published them first on the app, so they were the first new emojis to arrive on the app. So wow. once I finished, I was like, okay, well, can I talk about this? So yeah, do all you want. Like, shout out to like, try and get in touch with blogs and stuff, whatever, do whatever you like. Mm. Just let, here's like kind of what we want to say about the project, but f- feel free to kind of put your input in. Mm-hmm. So I reached out and then got a feature on It's Nice That. And um, mm. I think that that article was um, the second most read article on It's Nice That for 2014. Fuck. It was mental and it was just like all, all things lining up at the right time. So mm. it was just that point where brands then were like, oh, emojis, okay. <laughs> like, and they started like wanting to in, you know, use them in advertising campaigns and things like that. And because I had finished this project so quickly, I kind of had this well-documented example of emojis I designed. So I think when anyone, at that point, if anyone typed in emoji design, I was pretty high up on Google for like <laughs> getting contacted. <laughs> oh, why did I do this? Yeah. And that, that, that sprung off about a year and a half of me just designing emojis and icons and stuff. So that's why it's on my website, because it was just, it was a good, from a business point of view, it was pretty good. Like it was yeah. pretty lucrative having I did stuff for Pepsi, uh, for Google, for um, I even did like the Fallout video game. I did emojis for them. Like yeah, bizarre. What? But, yeah, that's mental. <laughs> yeah, it was a really weird couple of years. Like just kind of quite, quite often getting these emoji campaigns. Coming. Yeah, and that's why it's on there. I, I, it, the the brands basically uh, essentially ran it out of town doing the emoji campaigns <laughs> and like, that's kind of all my emoji work is more or less dried up now but it was good for a while but I'm also quite glad that um, I I remember when it was all going on some of my friends who aren't in illustration had, had mentioned to me why don't you set up like a company based off doing emojis and I just said I'm not really interested in doing that I know that this is a fad I know that eventually this will die off mm-hmm. and, and die down a bit and mm. there will be more companies that come in that are bigger than me that are able to take it on so I was just I kept plugging away at my my overall style stuff that's for editorials and, and things like that and mm. that was pretty sensible because yeah sure enough it did slow down and but I had a other body of work that I could continue to kind of push forward and then yeah, yeah it's like a transition out of the emojis into doing the stuff that actually I enjoy more than doing the emojis they were really restrictive because they're so so small <laughs> so you can't really draw that much and there's only so many ways you can draw a smiley face so. I just yeah I've got so much respect for you for doing that I just think <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just bonkers but even still character based there's that correlation there I guess yeah within some ways mm-hmm. until you start doing like aubergines yeah that sort of stuff yeah, but, yeah. There, there were some that were more fun than others the, the Pepsi one was a good example of where 
Um, it was purely they were commissioning me based off the emojis, not thinking about my style. So mm. I remember getting, uh, it was a really good job. I got to go to Canada to work for three weeks in Toronto working on um, the Pepsi Emoji campaign. And uh, it never actually came to the UK, which I'm sort of glad about because I did the, ca- the, the tester campaign for Canada. Mm-hmm. So I spent three weeks designing these emojis that then got printed on cans and bottles, but they were very like, you need to use this color yellow and this color blue and red. And they dictated all the style guidelines. So essentially I was just drawing emojis, not doing anything to do with my style. You could pick up a can of Pepsi with the emoji on and have no direct link back to my work. It just didn't look like what I do. Oh, um, right. So, I mean, although it's a great experience and I made some good contacts and stuff, it just, yeah, I'm sort of glad that um, I got to eventually come back to the style I really like. Um, but a good warning sign for this project, I remember I was sort of in between agents at this point and um, I, I, I was, YCN had kind of disbanded into like not doing, they were, became a membership rather than an agency and mm-hmm. the agent who originally signed me had moved. So I was sort of in this weird little gap and when this project came along, so... Um, I remember them getting in touch and saying, they said, uh, what would you charge for 40 designs for Pepsi? And I had to try and negotiate this all on my own. And I remember just saying, what do you want to pay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, because the, the, the other designs worked out about $40 a design because I've done so many. So, <laughs> so like, I was like, I'm not charging Pepsi $40 for 60 emo- or 40 or 60 emojis. That's uh, just daft. So I just Did had they play- answer it? They give you I a had thing? to play a little bit of poker with them. Amazing. So luckily, that I, I worked out who this woman was when I went finally went to Canada and I was working house. She was this kind of, um, she was this, she had been a hippie in the 60s and she was like this total she just did not care about advertising at all she was just working there and she came over to me once when they were trying to get me to sign contracts and mm. she said Pepsi wanted to sign this don't sign it and stuff like that so yeah, she was really helpful she could see that I, I was 20 uh, 25 when I was out there doing this so yeah, yeah. it just I don't know she, she was really helpful and basically made me um, more or less yeah she, she really helped me out with that and like kind of not making me fuck myself over but yeah. they still found a way so uh, after the <laughs> after the project went out um, so the, the campaign was really successful and then managed to convince the Pepsi global team to buy into the campaign mm. um, so whilst this was going on whilst I was in Canada I remember the art director coming over and saying oh the, the, the global team have seen what we're doing and love it they, wanna, they want to do this globally but we're not letting them get your in- contact yet info yet because we want you to focus on ours and like, he said it in a really sort of nonchalanty way like we'll give it, we'll put you in touch after and I was like Okay. Okay. Um, just you know, inexperienced, and um, and so worked on the Canada ones, and then when it finished, the global team did get in touch, mm. and um, I remember. So in between me finishing that Pepsi job in Canada, I had then signed. I basically followed my ex agent from YCN over to his new agency, and so we were now in touch. But the first, the Canada side of that job. Sorry if I'm not making sense here, but the first side of that Canada job had all been signed and contracts agreed. Mm-hmm. So when Global came in, they were trying to prepare new contracts. But now I had an agent again. I got him to look over the details of it, and so it was a weird one because I had done it on my own. He was like he wasn't in the the negotiations for the whole thing, so he sort of had to. I don't know, it was a difficult position to put him in because he now had to try and renegotiate the new contract based on the old one that I had signed. So it was a bit of a mess, but essentially we put forward a, a figure that was fair for them, that we thought was fair for them to buy out the emojis outright so that they then owned them because on fortunately on the contract I signed, I retained copyright. Right. Um, and then uh, got to the point where we said, you can either license them for this fee, which was smaller, or you can buy them outright for copy, you could buy the copyright off me for this fee, mm-hmm. which is quite a bit larger. Mm. And they said, okay, thanks. 
And then six months later, I saw that they had designed their own ones in-house and they had basically copied all my designs but just tweaked them slightly. So you have had a copying thing? Yeah, I suppose so, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that sucked. That was awful. They didn't even tell me that. So we gave them the fee. They said, thank you very much to like, what we proposed and then they just went in house and did it themselves and it it sucked like some of the designs were so similar to the ones I'd done they just tweaked some things but in the fine print of the contract I had signed originally I had agreed that they could tweak designs which uh, in my right. thinking originally it was like things that we had them with flags mm-hmm. so they were holding the Canada flag and I thought that when you know that sort of meant or oh, we can change it to a Mexico flag or wherever they were doing them mm. but yeah they used the wording to me oh we can just, we can like taper the end of like one of your lines so that it's now pointy and then there you go that's us changing it so really yeah yeah it was awful so bad Um, and it it was a massive it was a it was a massive learning curve and i was very fortunate that the reason i didn't even bring it up when you asked that question about being copied because it was taking a style that wasn't something i was attached to yeah it was like a simplified version of what Mm -hmm. i do it didn't really look like my work so Mm. um i was able to make my piece with it it sucked how much money i was losing on that but it wasn't like they were stealing my work and like printing it on all the cans all over the world and then seeing my work slightly changed it was it was the kind of silver lining I guess it's, it's funny though isn't it because you just don't see that sort of thing coming no I guess obviously when you're starting in that position and mm-hmm. Pepsi come and knock on the door mm-hmm. and then you've got to obviously then negotiate that path yeah it was mental I, I, I fended off three design agencies to get that job it's just mad Whoa. I have no idea how I managed to do that I like, sat in my little one my corner desk and, <laughs> and uh, just yeah. winning oh it was mad there was a yeah there was a design agency from South Africa one from Paris it was mad I have no idea I still don't know how they Maybe it's because they floated that fee and I said yes to it. Like, they, they, all the others were charging much more, I don't know. But it's all a learning curve. But mm-hmm. I tried to take something from each job and like, learn, take something away to learn for the next time. Mm-hmm. It's that thing of just, you kind of, got to, you kind of just got to dive in and learn as you go, I think. Yeah, you do. You, I, I'd say you do, but then it's, it's just still at the same time. That's probably a good point to then go, if you're going back to yourself at that corner desk, mm-hmm. is there a piece of advice that you give yourself that having known what you know now, to quote some famous song lyrics. Oh man, Lot, there's there's lots of things. Um, I just to have one. I don't know. It's, being confident in yourself is is important. Mm-hmm. Um, standing up for yourself is important. So trying not to be too. I don't know. You 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 have a voice. So clients can be a pain in the ass sometimes, where they're trying to say, "Oh, we want you to use our color palette," and mm-hmm. that that then affects the way that you think about your work. Because for someone like me who uses a set color palette, when they say oh, we want to use this bright red that looks terrible, which I personally think looks terrible with my work, um, I've learned that the hard way. I had to use things I wasn't happy with. So now I try to like stand my foot down. Um, so yeah, I'd say just try and stand up for yourself where possible. Um, I don't know. I, one piece of advice is hard. I, um, yeah, I don't know. Sorry, there's a, f- a few things <laughs> to consider there. Uh, no, no, no. I'm trying to think of anything else. I think, like you say, like just in terms of, I guess, being based where you're based and going for the work you're going for and style and things like that are quite... I mean, you've said it as you've gone through it, but mm-hmm. I think it's just more when you well, burst through the door. I've got a question that might... Go on. How much, how much of what you do would you say... How much of... Because you said before, I was going to start... I was saying I was going to start out making business as a dr- someone who was doing drawing mm-hmm. how much would you say of what you do is being good at drawing and how much of you, what you do would you say is being is taken up by business by being a freelancer yeah that's mm-hmm. great yeah yeah that's a really good question um 
I, 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 like to use, I like to use this line that my agent now tells me not to use too much, but I think it's important because I see myself as like 20% talented, 80% hardworking. I, I, I think that I, I'd be stupid me to stand up here and say I'm not talented at all because I've obviously made a career out of doing illustration, but I feel that there are so many good illustrators out there that it is so hard to stand out. So I take that, that bit of talent that I have and just try and maximize it as much as I can. So that's me putting in... I don't know, I go into the studio, I start at 7.30, um, I finish at 6, but then quite often do a little bit more in the evenings, um, either that's personal work or, or whatever. Um, but in terms of like splitting down my time in terms of business, like the question asked, it's like a lot, a lot annoyingly does get bogged down in emails. Having having an agent helps, I haven't always had an agent, I've kind of gone in between and, and it does take a lot of time. I hate negotiating, I, I didn't get into this to be... Uh, I don't know. I'm not. I didn't start as a businessman. I'm an illustrator. I, yeah, don't, yeah. I hate maths. I hate numbers. <laughs> I, I was, that was always my worst subject at school. So, that that is something that annoyingly takes up more time than I would like. But mm-hmm. um, it is important to try and find out how to do it. I guess so. Like asking questions is the best way. Just asking people, I think, is it's really important. So if you're not sure about something, mm. uh, like in terms of like invoicing or like what you should charge something, like people like the, if you if you don't have an agent, like the AOI are really useful. Um, or if you've got any illustration illustrator contacts or des- animator contacts, designer contacts, just everyone's. We're I've found that we are we are actually more of a like a big club. Like we and it, it, I think yeah. most people like if you ask for help, people are usually nine times out of ten happy to give it. So I think that is important to ask. But yeah, um, I would say maybe like thirty percent. It depends on the day. Maybe thirty percent is like admin, which is annoying. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's uh, where I kind of try and get back to the drawing, or um, sometimes just I don't know, doing the bare minimum to get myself so I can do uh, for one a day where I'm drawing. I try and I don't know, shut everything out and then reply to emails later. I just try and give myself like a four, four or five hours of just doing the thing that I love because that is the reason I do this. So. Yeah, exactly. And it can very easily go the other way around. Mm-hmm. Can Has anyone else got any questions for Dan? Anything pressing? No? I've got okay. one more. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got that. <laughs> no, do so it. On, on that um, topic, you talked about um, the emojis and how you didn't really enjoy doing it, and now it, it was a project, it was mm-hmm. a stream of income basically. How many do you have? Do you have a number of different income streams as being a freelance mm. illustrator? And if so, which are your favourites and which are most lucrative? Yeah, that yeah, that's a good question as well. Um, so, for when I mentioned earlier, like doing some of those emoji projects, like the the one, particularly the ones I did for Fallout, is one of the rare occasions where I've taken. So, if you know the game Fallout, it has that little Pip Boy character. I essentially had to make emojis of him, which is, it has lines, and 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 uh, that's closest it being comes to being like my characters. Which one was it? Was it Shella, or was it the actual? Oh uh, no! It was Fallout Four, yeah. and it was the there was an app that came like you could download. Oh, on the app that came with the Fallout Four. I yeah, think so, yeah. yeah. And yeah. there was some emojis that you could have on that. I, I, I'm not really much of a, a, a gamer, but like very strong knowledge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, essentially, I designed emojis for that. That and that was me. Again, it was just some googling an emoji designer and found me. Um, but because it that that one paid particularly well, and mm. I was like, I kind of I can't say no to this. Like this is worth me taking the time to do. Mm. But I didn't enjoy it. Like the whole time I didn't enjoy it. I had a few editorials I had to turn down because I was so busy with it. And I would much, even though they were paying quite a bit less, I would have enjoyed doing those more. Mm. It's a tricky one to balance. I, I, um, I've been for- adding animation as a string to my bow has been useful to diversify the projects that come yeah. in. So um, the advertising jobs pay 
the best the editorials not so much but i enjoy editorials maybe more than anything because it's such a quick turnaround i can uh, i can basically week to week i I would say over a month i would do about three editorials and then i usually have like one bigger project going on that maybe straddles like two months that's kind of the average which those bigger ones are like advertising based or um or like a digital project or an animation or something like that Mm. so that's like a rough breakdown of my kind of working schedule but um the reason I like it, it's always because it's so fast and it's so new. They say, here's a brief, can you get that done by next week? Da, 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 done, yes. And it's also a good way of me practicing my uh, craft. So I get to try out new things with editorial and have the benefit of being paid for them at the same time. So, yeah, I can yeah. imagine they're, like you say, fast, frequent. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And obviously you've got, yeah. So yeah. having mm. having a, a few different, a few different, almost like um, categories within my my style. So I have the big crowd scenes, I have um, the individual characters, I have like GIFs, I have slightly larger animations emojis or icons if they want them not so much these days but have like maybe four or five different things that people can kind of contact me for which helps keeps things it keeps things quite interesting in terms of diversifying like the projects that i take on yeah it's good really good answers the question good makes sense do this thanks again for listening we hope you enjoyed our chat at the illustration block party event and we hope to see you at our next block party in 2019 please do subscribe via the mailing list and we can let you know all about it